What in God's name is going on here? is amongst us. Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. I kick ass for the Lord. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. I am Linton once again, and we are here with your home for the obscure, the bizarre, the unloved, the overlooked, and the underappreciated in film. And we are going to be looking at another movie for our Halloween series, uh, where we have five movies, one for each week of the month. And I've got uh, some returning people here, uh, all returning guests on our panel here today. We've got Steve... Hey guys, this movie made me want to puke. We've got Fabs. Hey guys, this movie turned me on real good. And we've got <laughs> Ryan, who was on our uh, inaugural episode. Yo. And uh, Steve and Fabs also are on Revenge of the 90s. Uh, and Steve is on Franchise Strikes Back with me. So these are both, uh, all yeah. of these are under the, the uh, robot butt series of podcasts that are emerging uh that is correct in, deep right. in this pandemic because we all need something to do right yeah. <laughs> right guys this is the only thing keeping keeping us all from uh sh shattering our reality this is the only thing that's holding it all together but uh as i'm sure steve will tell uh his listeners in a little intro this is also serving as a kind of dual episode for revenge of the 90s that uh so we have himself and fabs who are the uh the regular members of that podcast. So they're joining us here tonight and this will be on their feed. You guys are doing 10 episodes throughout. Something October, like that. Yeah. This, We're, might, be this might be the 11th. This yeah. might be the special 11th uh, special episode as part of the Halloween spooktacular that is happening. Uh, so I don't know when this one will come out, but it will be part of the festivities. Cool. Cool. Yeah, all right. So let's uh, let's dig into this. So for this episode, as I noted in the last episode, we will be looking at Dead Alive, which is also known as Brain Dead. It is from 1992. It was Brain Dead in New Zealand, and then and I think basically everywhere else in the world that it was actually released in, which I think uh, some places it wasn't. I think it was still banned in Germany, from what I saw. <laughs> And for good cause. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I believe it was released as Dead Alive in the United States because there was a movie from a couple years before called Brain Dead with like Bill Pullman that I've never seen. Some kind of horror thriller or something. I don't know. Are we, wait, we're not doing that one? <laughs> Fabs does oh, love no. his Bill Pullman movies. He is all about, he's all about Brain Dead, While You Were Sleeping, all of them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we're looking at Dead Alive, and you know, as I note in a lot of the episodes, the focus of Uncanny Cinema, you know, we'll do things that are bizarre, unloved, overlooked, obscure, and underappreciated. And I'd say that this checks a number of those boxes. It's it's obscure to a point, and it's certainly bizarre. Uh, it's overlooked 
in certain circles or in regular circles. And unloved and underappreciated all depends on, you know, who you're talking to. So this is one that I would say, if you are a horror fan, you absolutely are aware of this movie. I would think most horror fans worth their salt would have seen this movie well, you know, well in the past. But it's possible it slipped through the cracks. So I would say for uh, for this particular movie, it's only going to be one that's really all that obscure. If maybe you don't watch a lot of horror or horror is just something you're kind of casually into, then you might not be all that aware of Dead Alive. Because like I said, it's definitely kind of a big thing for horror fans, but it's not something that gets put out there like you hear about the Evil Dead movies and there's a whole trilogy and they make toys and they made the new series and halloween and friday and nightmare and all these slasher things like a bunch of things in horror obviously have been merchandised over the years and you become aware of them through kind of pop culture osmosis but dead live is not that so it's definitely possible you might not be aware of dead alive but so it is a 1992 peter jackson film it is one of his earliest he had directed uh, bad taste and meet the feebles prior to and uh yeah and he had done a couple of just uh, short films and things like that but this is his third feature and it was co-written by Stephen Sinclair and Fran Walsh who is Jackson's wife like long time wife and long time filmmaking partner and she's been involved in pretty much everything he's done uh, I think prior to it might go all the way back to meet the feebles and then like everything all the way through the Lord of the Rings movies and everything else he's done. So uh, this is kind of him in his uh, early career. We have basically a lot of New Zealand actors, nobody that uh, any American audiences would have heard of really. I think our, our lead who is uh, Lionel Cosgrove is a character played by Timothy Balmy. I looked him up. Looks like the Major, uh, major thing that he's associated with is I think like a New Zealand soap opera or something. So it's a, a cast that nice. never need to check that out. <laughs> so yeah, it's a cast that, that never. Uh... <laughs> so they, yeah, it's, it's not anyone that you would uh, likely recognize unless you're a New Zealander or anything, but uh, yeah, the, the crux of dead alive will we'll open the floor here in a moment is it's essentially a zombie film. It is. Uh, a, a gross-out zombie film and by design and a loose plot I would say is uh, there is a there's an island that's called Skull Island like King Kong and there is a Sumatran rat monkey that is some kind of weird hybrid creature that is brought to New Zealand from this island it ends up biting some people and then from there you get zombies and we can dig more into the plot such as it is as we go. But that's the rough thing that gets the ball rolling, kind of like Night of the Living Dead where, you know, the dead start rising from the graves. It's just really something to kick things off. And so you can get a lot of zombie carnage. So with all that said, we will open the floor. What do we think of Dead Alive? Well, confession from me, I didn't want to write this in the notes. I had never seen this movie before. I thought that was the case from a couple of things you wrote. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of slipped through the cracks for me. I would always associate it because of the name uh, with Evil Dead. So like just anytime I would, oh yeah, Dead Alive, I've seen that. I've seen that. 
Um, I had never seen this movie. It was uh, it was pretty fun. It was a really fun experience. Um, I definitely think because Peter Jackson goes on to direct a King Kong movie that like that was definitely an, an allusion to the Skull Island from oh, yeah. the King Kong series. Um, and yeah, I mean it's a super bizarre movie, um, but I I don't know. I I thought it was it was like really great, and I thought it was really groundbreaking. And um, I was just like really, even though the, the plot is like super loose, like you talked about, Lynn, I was like really into it though. Like I was like way too like worried about um, Lynn or Lynn, your Lynn, uh, Lionel and uh, Paquita's like relationship. I was like all in on that. Um, I, I just wanted to know more. I was hoping they were going to work out. Um, Paquita was like a really great character. And yeah, I mean, we're going to get to like the final 45 minutes, which is like just completely batshit crazy um but like so many of the things i liked about um uh shawn of the dead i was like i i now realize oh okay like all these things i like about gross out horror movies like this is like kind of the uh the grandfather that that uh, of those uh of those zombie movies um so yeah for me as like a first time viewer of this film um it was it was a lot, but it was like a lot in a really good way because it wasn't like um, Cannibal Holocaust or anything where like the, the movie has like so much humor in it. Like, you know, the intentions of it are it's supposed to be ridiculous. And uh, I know that it was like a low budget. And so like some of the gore is like very obviously prosthetics and stuff. But I think when you have the intersection of humor and gore, it's like it just makes for a really good time instead of just being revolted where like oh my god like did this actually happen like 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 cannibal holocaust everyone's like oh my god like people were worried about like did the crew actually die in this is this a real thing and it's like <laughs> this is so obviously like just hilariously over the top so like as a first time viewer i love this movie ryan you are uh, a huge horror fan and this is a particular favorite of yours i think so uh, we'll kick it to you. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> funny you should mention the Skull Island thing because there's a uh, Easter egg in Jackson's King Kong in the cargo hold of the plane. There's a box labeled Sumerian Rat Monkey. If you didn't That's know. That's awesome. Um, I used to see it in the movie stores when I was a kid because I remember the distinctive box art of uh, the woman pulling her mouth open with a little skull inside. Uh, mm -hmm. Too young to rent it, though. But I found it at Sam Goody when I was like in high school. And uh, I liked it. I was getting into Evil Dead. It's funny that you. Mm -hmm. What's that? No, it's funny that you mentioned the. Not to totally cut you off already, but which I'll probably do a bunch. <laughs> um, the uh, you mentioned the box art with the uh, woman and like the head, skull po poking out, which like makes no sense in the context <laughs> of this movie. But my uh, my grandparents actually owned a video store when I was growing up, and they. Owned it. They actually owned it right across the street from where my house was. So, like, as I grew up, there was literally, like, my my grandparents uh, had their video store. So, I'd always go over there. And so, one of my very first memories of, like, movies in general is seeing that poster on the wall of the video store. And it for just... Dead Alive? For Dead Alive. Burned okay. into my brain forever because <laughs> I was, like, terrified of it. Yeah. It scared the shit out of me. Just the thought that there was, like something living in like you know somebody's face and then and and so like it took me a long time to see this movie and then i finally did and i was like that didn't make 
that didn't have any connection to the poster, <laughs> but I, it's still in my brain. Like as like a four-year-old, just like staring up at that poster and being like, what the fuck is that? It was that <laughs> poster in the Jason goes to hell. When I was oh, with the snake through with his mask, snake through his mask. Those yes. two were like, I would always just wonder to the horror section. It went Block through like a, one of them through his eye, right? It's like part is through his eye and back through yeah, his head yeah, and stuff. Through his eye, through his head. Yeah, and yeah. It was, yes. it was, yeah, these those two. I'm so glad you brought that the movie poster up because those two were like, I was like, I want to see this. I am five. I will not be allowed <laughs> to rent this film. I also don't have money to Must. rent this film, but one day I will watch these movies. <laughs> Yeah, there. I would. Yeah, I'd say that like those two are like those are some of the most iconic horror posters of of that decade. Mm-hmm. Just just based on just looks alone, not quality of the movies necessarily. Though Dead Alive is up there, um, but yeah, it it just yeah that it's just it's such a like recognizable iconic poster, and I feel like if you don't even know this movie, um, you might know it by the poster you know, or the, the box art or something just based on how like crazy it is. But I would say just getting into like my, my thoughts on it. I I think, I mean, it's just a pure spectacle of gore and I absolutely love it. Like as a horror fan, I'm always looking for movies that are doing like insane things and trying uh, different things with like practical effects. And obviously this is when this is an era when you had to, but I would say like, this was still, this was like a beginning of an era where like some horror movies were trying like stop motion. And they were trying some other stuff that like doesn't age super well, but this movie, I would say almost all of the effects while you know that like, like, like I know mum is a, a a giant prosthetic naked woman. (laughs) I, I, I still think the effects are like, they really hold up. I was surprised seeing this again that like a lot of the stuff really still holds up and doesn't look cheap or anything for being almost 30 years old like it it's still pretty sweet and there's some wild shit that they pull off in this movie like people's faces being torn off from like the outside or like from the back people's like the the one that always sticks out to me is like the face getting ripped off like there's one woman's skin just like it's like completely just like flayed off and well, then Ryan, um, the uh, other one, oh, good. the fist through the the fist through the back of the head. The woman gets like a fist through the back of the head. It comes so out her good. mouth. Yeah, and I was just like, that looks pretty damn good. Well, Ryan, I think uh, I think you made the comment that it makes most Italian splatter flicks look like Muppet Babies, which I think uh, I think is probably apt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I'll go with some of my thoughts uh, thoughts on it. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty fantastic. I think it has great, as Steve's mentioned, like the gore effects are fantastic. We'll definitely dig into that somewhat. I think Jackson does some interesting things that I, on this rewatch, because I, I hadn't watched this movie in years. It was probably college or high school when I saw it, and I've owned it for years, but it's just not one that I've revisited because I watch so much media and I'm kind of always trying to track down new things. And so when I revisit something, it's occasionally like, oh, well, there's some reason I want to revisit or, you know, somebody mentioned something, so I want to go back. And so this podcast helps me to kind of like go back to some of these things. Um, PCU was one that Stephen Fabs were on recently, and that's one that I also hadn't watched in years and years. So so Dead Alive, watching it this time, it was, uh, it was almost like I've seen it for the first time because I remembered very little of it. There's a big scene at the end with a lawnmower and that is burned into my brain. I knew that explicitly. 
but everything else I only had kind of a vague uh, memory of. I couldn't remember what the basic plot was other than the rat monkey biting people. Yeah, they're, they're not a whole lot stuck with me, and that's not to the film's detriment. It's it's really just you know the the length of time from when I had last seen it. But yeah, the the effects work is fantastic. The camera work that we see in pretty much all of Jackson's stuff is here very early in his career. There's some neat tricks that he does. And then just the kind of madcap slapstick aspects of it all makes it really fun. And Fab's kind of brought this up too, but I felt in rewatching it, it's odd to me, like the Germany bandit and that some people would be turned off by this. I mean, no, by no means would I think this is something that most people's moms are going to want to sit down and watch. But that said, it's also <laughs> silly and it's also over the top because like Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead plays it pretty straight. And Evil Dead 2 is a horror comedy, but I would argue even Evil Dead 2, when it's being funny and silly, they, there still are scenes that are trying to scare you. There are scenes where it's like, oh shit, that that woman's yeah. super creepy or that moment is just fucking with me. I don't feel like anything in this is really legitimately trying to scare you. There's stuff that you could, your, your stomach could be, you know, turned from it. You could be grossed out by it. For me, when I watch this kind of stuff, it's, I'm just marveling at the effects because I always know, oh, that's caro syrup. That's, you know, that's prosthetic. So like, I it takes a lot for a movie to make me forget that, and when a movie does make me forget those things, it's like holy shit, they made that look real. Like, but mm -hmm. but this movie in no way is trying to make the stuff look photorealistic. It, it's it's having a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think it, yeah, it's a playground for Peter Jackson to just do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I would say this movie has this movie has the grossest thing I've ever seen, and I I. You know, maybe not as much as like Linton and, and Ryan in terms of how many horror movies I've seen, but like I will never ever forget now the scene where she sprays the mom. So in this movie, uh, the the mother uh, gets bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey because she's following her son uh, Lionel and his new girlfriend Paquita at the zoo, and she trips into a cage that has the Sumatran. Uh, rat monkey who which we already just saw it kill a, another monkey and rip its arm off which is pretty nasty and so it bites her and so she starts to get like infected long story short they have some people over for her women's league uh, for lunch and she's like pretty sick at this point to where she's got this giant pussing thing and so the thing that will forever haunt me at the end of my days is when for whatever reason she squeezes her arm and the pus jumps into the bowl of custard like which oh, custard is yeah. already custard is already like a pretty disgusting like visual thing and and so they really play up like the sounds and like the slurping and all the like close-up angles of it this guy unknowingly mr dirt eats, like actually yeah <laughs> yeah he eats the custard with like this giant pus ball in it oh and, and you he, can hear him like he slurping it. how uh, how creamy it is Oh, that like not a lot of stuff will like sicken me in film. That's disgusting. Like that, that, eats your yeah, that, was, that like, is nasty. Yeah, that was like something that was like almost like the most realistic thing that was like, oh, this isn't like so outlandishly over the top. Like it was right. just disgusting. But that was also the scene where I was like all in on the movie. 
because the mom's ear just like falls off and she starts, <laughs> oh, yeah. she starts eating it. It's incredible. Also, I'll make I, the argument that mom is a top three sexy character in all of cinema. Like she's incredible. That, what? Wait, wait, what? Yeah, what? What is no, this? I'm saying she's absolutely <laughs> revolting. Like, all right, well, like, I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely didn't know where you're taking this because eventually no, no, she gets all gnarled. She gets all gnarled out and zombified, but before that, she's like an old lady, and it's like, I don't know, maybe Fabs has a type. I don't know. Super I don't know where lady. this is going. They got her up in the flashbacks. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They give her that. They give her that black hair, but it's like she's still pretty old looking. <laughs> she's never. Yeah. She's like never actually young. I think they she's needed like some of, the- of that uh, Martin Scorsese Irishman magic to make her yeah. look. You know, go from seventy five to like sixty eight. They probably did a better job, even though this movie is like twenty eight years earlier. Um, the thing I couldn't remember earlier, uh, I just had a note for myself was just in reference to the movie as a whole, but being just kind of silly and fun is thinking about it critically is it's like if your friends made a goofy horror skit, but they made it an hour and a half and they were super talented. And that's yes. what it feels like to me. Like, cause like this is the kind of thing that I could imagine back in college, somebody, you know, could have made a three to five minute thing that where they just like tried to do all these gore effects and you're watching. It's like, Oh, it's kind of a fun romp. And you know, it's not supposed to be scary. You know, it's supposed to just be kind of like fun and goofy, but those same people, if they try to do an hour and a half, when they're like 20, that it would have probably become painful. Like they just would not, I mean, and that, and that includes myself. You, you just would not have had the talent. Very few people can do that at that age. Sam Raimi was able to, but, but for most people it would just fall apart. You would have a couple good scenes or whatever. And the rest would just like lag or be whatever. But, you know, Jackson is, is pretty young here. He's probably, I think in his twenties or maybe early thirties at this point. But yeah, it, it plays like one of those kind of things. Like it's a it's a goofy film project, except that goofy film project is like an hour and a half ish, a little more than that, and it's just incredibly well done. So so the end result is yeah, obviously if you're a horror fan, you are digging it for the gore. But I don't know that anyone watches Dead Alive to be scared by it. I don't know that anyone thinks it's like a great horror film in in the strictest sense. It's just like a great gross out monster movie basically i don't watch monster squad to be scared dude i do <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some scary shit that uh well, that, 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 that gill man is fucking scary i'll, I'll give <laughs> him credit for the gill man well i will say, i mean uh no totally i mean you know the one of the best things about this genre is that you don't have you can watch horror movies for we were just talking about this linton before uh we started recording is you can really watch a, you can watch any horror movie and get something out of it. It could be, it could even be a, a, a trash, terrible movie and still f- we could find something fun about it. Or, you know, there are movies, there are movies like, you know, when I watch, uh, you know, hereditary, I'm having a different horror experience than I am watching friggin' dead alive now, but I like them both. You know, I, I I'm yeah. getting different things out of it. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is like, this is just a total feat of, I mean, this, this rivals to me, like anything I've ever seen in terms of, of practical effects. Like it's, it's the thing almost on steroids because like even there, there's a scene where the uncle gets his friggin' 
head and spine removed out of his back, but not completely, but just enough to where it's like rising above his body and he's like crawling like a spider. And like, that looked pretty damn good. Like there, I just could go on and on of all these just bizarre ref like things that happen. And if anybody's like listening to this and they haven't seen dead alive, they're just like, what the fuck is this movie? Well, but, yeah, let's uh, let's dig into the gore here in a second. Let, let me just give a rough breakdown, a little bit of the plot, and then we can basically launch into a lot of the fun stuff. So uh, the idea is, as, as we've jumped around a little bit, the, the mother gets bitten by the Sumatran rat monkey, which is established. The, the canon of the film establishes that a bunch of rats from boats raped a lot of tree monkeys i believe uh so you know it's, it's a little dated uh a little weird on that but that that, that somehow that this is this is how this uh, hybrid creature was created and the the locals on this island seemingly know that they're like cursed or monstrous and that their bite leads to zombification because in the, the very early scene you have uh like a, a, a does he say what his job is i can't remember he's basically trying to capture a species for he's just studies. he just works for a zoo okay yeah yeah so he's so he's he's taking back he's trying to take back species it bites him and then they find out he gets bitten and so they uh they kill him so the movie opens with just you know limbs being hacked off and then he eventually is killed when they realize that you know he's beyond helping so yeah it's in the zoo it bites this guy's mother he's presented as i likened him to kind of like a like a nerdy bruce campbell like in Evil Dead, like he plays a similar role, especially by the end, and he becomes this kind of like badass heroic character. But he's definitely playing it a lot like nerdier early on. And this uh, this woman that lives in his town, uh, Paquita, she has been told by her uh, mother or grandmother that there's going to be like a mysterious man that comes into her life and she's going to fall in love with him and everything. And it ends up being this guy based on some of these uh, tarot cards and whatnot. So that's one element of the plot. These characters kind of like linking up the mother spying on them a bit. And then eventually the mother dies from after being zombified, more and more people are getting bitten. And then we, bring in this uncle character who's trying to like scheme and take away the mother's estate and the mother's house and all of her money. And so that he brings with him like tons of people to have a giant party one night. So that at its crux is most of the plot. There's, you know, there's, yeah. there's a few other, you know, things we could delve you into. Missed, yeah. You missed the, uh, we'll, we'll definitely dive into it, but of course there's like a five minute sequence where there's a priest who does some cool ninja oh, stuff yeah, on, well, on some zombies. <laughs> And then a zombie that. being born too. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if I would call those elements part of. I don't know if I would call them part of the plot, but yes, we will be talking about <laughs> integral points of the plot. Uh, for some reason, he wants to house the zombies in his uh, house instead of killing them, which leads to well, that's zombie shenanigans, thing. right? Yeah, zombie shenanigans. Yeah, it, it it's uh that is my one thing about this movie that I think is partly why it, it hasn't like become such a mainstream thing over the years is not that nobody can uh, even fathom why he would keep them because I guess I get that even though it's kind of a weird plot point, but I don't know if there's any characters in this movie that I find like super memorable, like Lionel kind of bothers me throughout most of this movie until he starts to go nuts on everything. in like the last 10 minutes with the lawnmower, 
because they play Lionel super cartoonish throughout this entire movie. Like he is just like flopping all over the place. He there's a lot of like physical humor and like occasionally it works, but like for the most part, it's, it's pretty over the top. And um, I, I just think as like a character, like, you know, evil dead's got, of course, Bruce Campbell and Ash um, because I would say, I would argue, you know, those are similar, you know, movies uh, that have like a similar kind of a vibe to them. But I think that's probably like the biggest, like hinder hindrance to this movie is just that there, I don't know that there's like a character that you can latch onto personally. And so yeah, I, you, you have to rely on the gore kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd agree in, like I said, I, it had been a long time since I watched it. So Fab's mentioned the last 45 minutes or the back half or wherever, wherever that hits is it, it gets pretty nuts and it gets really fun. But prior to that 45 minutes, there's maybe other than the, the rat monkey scene at the beginning where the guy gets his hands cut off and her arms cut off. And then the, there's some stuff with the mother where they're grossing things out. It's, it's pretty low level for a while. So for a while, you're kind of following this almost like drama slash romantic comedy with some like weird shenanigans and occasional gore. And so, yeah, for a good bit of the opening part of the movie, it's, it's not boring, but rewatching it, I'm thinking, yeah, that back half better be pretty strong. And I was pretty sure that it was. But I could see if you were coming into a cold, wondering like, "Whoa, is this going to be it? Is it just going to be kind of like every once in a while the mom does something gross or she eats her own foot this time or what is?" It? I mean, Fabs, <laughs> you you were new to this, so yeah. So like for me, I, I didn't. Okay, so I'm like watching it and like I liked Paquita. Like she she was like a really neat, sweet character to me. Um, and then, as I said, like once the the mom has like the lunch and she like eats her ear and the custard scene happens, that's when I was like, okay, like I'm in this for the long haul. And I'm like, I'm adding to the show notes, and I I see someone talk about like the second half of the movie. I'm like, okay, well something even crazier is going to happen in this like back into the movie. <laughs> so like I'm already in with like the mom eating her own ear. Um, I can't even imagine like how <laughs> crazy this movie is going to get. And then there's a priest doing ninja in a graveyard, and I was like, okay, this is, like, amazing. And so it just it just kept getting amplified, and it's literally, like, the last 45 minutes. It's just a nonstop. And I got to give credit to, like, Peter Jackson and his, like, wife for coming up with more and more inventive ways for body parts to be, like, ripped apart <laughs> where it wasn't. Because there's, like, 70 deaths you see, and – there's maybe a couple repetitive things that happen, but for the most part, like almost all of them were completely like brand spanking new, insane effects where it's like the face gets ripped off completely. Eyeballs get popped out and then get popped back in a head. Like it, it was, <laughs> it was incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. The pre-scene, I think I noted that that was where it started to take a turn where they were really amping things up. It, it doesn't get as crazy as it gets once they get back to the house. When they get to the house, it just becomes insane. But the the priest scene, it really kicks it into gear because, yeah, this priest is, uh, they, they buried the mother and Lionel is going to dig her up. I, I guess the movie's, you know, kind of loose on some of these points, but I guess it's because he's, <laughs> he knows she's undead. So he just doesn't want her to like be sort of alive underground, but it's not really clear of like, she's been buried she's she's a zombie and she's dead 
if she's underground, she's actually no longer a problem, which she was before. So I, I, I don't know. It's 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 pretty vague. Uh, uh, it's because he point, loves her but... so much. She's no, like, I, I get that. Wants to keep her. Well, I, no, I I under I understand that, but I I feel that they don't. I don't think it's like a Norman Bates thing. They don't dive into his sexual or his uh, psychology on it. They don't make a big point of it. It's just sort of like, oh, he has this domineering mother, and now she's a zombie, and they bury her, and now because like most people who have a domineering mother, they're not going to dig them back up. <laughs> like, like, but but when well, they we don't we don't know right. He and, like, hard to get away in the Norman, first place though. Well, when Norman Bates did That's it, a lot of judgment. Letting... They dedicated a whole, like, <laughs> a lot of that plot is dedicated to it. Whereas this movie is just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's normal. You just dig your mom up. You bring her home. Well, that so, makes the revelation well, later that... all the more poignant when he finds out she was evil the whole time. <laughs> and also, like, to you were saying, Ryan, it's like, yeah, it's like, he, yeah, the motivations of Lionel are pretty hard to, like, suss out throughout the whole movie because, like you said, he not only tries to dig up the mother, but then he also just like, as more people start to get, you know, zombified, like the nurse and the priest and the, uh, like the dude hanging out in the cemetery who just beats up people in the cemetery and his game, he gets bit too. His name is Void. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing there, but Void. <laughs> I love it. He, uh, so, yeah, but, the, but instead of just like chopping their heads off and just being like, boy, that was a weird couple of days he just like decides to keep him alive with like tranquilizer and there's never like really like a thought process or reason for any of this and he's like i can't be with paquita because of this i got to take care of all these like zombie creatures and so it's like and he's not even responsible for it that's kind of the weird thing it'd be one thing if it was like she got bit and he didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, I guess you could say he's guilty because they were at the he was at the zoo with this woman and it never would have happened or whatever, but that's that's a reach. Again, this movie is not trying to yeah. <laughs> really do much in the story department, but yeah, it's he didn't he didn't directly make his mother a zombie in some way. He didn't make these people zombies in any kind of way, intentional or unintentional. So yeah, it's real loose on like you said, Steve, his motivations are kind of vague. And yeah, he's he's tranquilizing him. And I, I was just looking at some of the notes on Wiki and it was saying, according to that, it's claiming he's trying to dig her up to administer more of the tranquilizer he gave her before. But it's like, but why, though? Because if she's already <laughs> underground, why are you tranquilizing her more? She did bust out, though. You, you know. yeah. Yeah, but he was but he was already trying to get to her though. So his motivation doesn't make sense. It'd be one thing if she busted out and then he's like, Oh, I gotta deal with mom again. He explicitly goes to that uh, you know, cemetery to do something. So again, I'm not saying this to trash the movie, <laughs> it's just there are a lot of weird and vague plot points where I don't know if they were thinking it through. But that said, it doesn't hurt my enjoyment. Oh no. No. It works. No, I, it it doesn't. I skate right through all that. Yeah. Any any like criticism I have of the plot, I'm just like whatever. <laughs> I don't care. But we briefly mentioned the priest, and I'll just say so. That's when it uh, when things kick into gear a bit, and we get some uh, more hardcore gore there. But we also get the great line from the priest: "I kick arse for the Lord," <laughs> which has become uh, somewhat famous for this film. Yep. And he's like flying through the air doing 
kicks and like he, there's all the you know he, he's he uh he's doing like these like round oh i think he uh i think he roundhouse kicks a dude in half like he like mm-hmm. does this like sweeping leg thing and he just like literally goes right through a dude's midsection <laughs> like like literally fabs like you were saying it's like any possible way you could kill somebody it happens in this movie it's amazing yeah it's like the show a thousand and one ways to die literally just like wrote down everyone from this movie and then they just redid them <laughs> so let's uh, uh let's dig into the gore let's talk about you know any any point in the movie but obviously the the last 45 minutes half hour or so is when it gets really nuts so what are some of our favorite bits? Uh, we've talked about some, but what else we got? Ryan, what's your favorite? What are, what are your favorite bit, uh, gore bits? We've Fabs and I have talked about ours. Uh, I really like when the mutant child rips that lady's head open from the inside. Yes. Yes. And then like, and then navigates with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the uh, intestines that attack him voids intestines animate on oh, the yeah. and start pursuing him yeah they're kind of cute also yeah, like i didn't legs, yep and also they like uh i didn't realize this they the anus is also attached there and it definitely farts at one point yes, yep. yes. like into a mirror so. <laughs> yeah, yeah basically like, oh uh, that's his butthole there's yeah. a zombie that gets like cut in half and uh yeah his intestines spill out and then his intestines are suddenly alive on their own and they've done like uh, they made it a puppet, so they give like his esophagus has like a little face to it, <laughs> like so the esophagus has a little mouth and little eyes like that are part of the like made to look as though they're really there as part of the esophagus, and then the lungs are operating like hands basically. <laughs> and I, I noted that the I had forgotten all of this, and I noted that the sea it like stares in the mirror after it emerges and is now alive and it starts like petting itself and admiring <laughs> itself in the mirror and it had me rolling it was just <laughs> a ludicrous scene i was like well all right this is happening and it's fantastic uh I yeah love it this movie used to hold a world record for the most amount of fake blood used on set at one point it got broken oh, yeah, yeah that's what i wondered i i <laughs> Who, who broke it? Is it Passion of the Christ? Piranha 3D broke it. And then I think their Evil Dead remake broke it with all the blood rain. <clears throat> oh, yes. That makes sense. Okay. All yeah, right. that would that would track. I like... Um, I, we've talked a lot of like the big ones. I, the one that I would say is like a low-key favorite of mine from this is one of the zombies gets like his head cut off at the jaw. <laughs> yeah. So it's a head on... It's a head on the floor... And it's just like his mouth is just like the only thing like mouth up is on the floor. And what this movie does really well is it juggles the the two things of that's a dude's real head when it needs to be. And then it's also a, a fake head when it's getting literally kicked around the floor and sliding around like on like the blood soaked floor. And like the way that they pull that off, it's almost seamless to me. Yeah. Like they they. Um, at no point do I really there's a couple other instances of like other deaths and stuff where I'm like oh yeah that's fake like the light bulb in the back of the head where she's like glowing up I'm like that's fake I love um, it though it's wonderful I, I love yeah. it but that's not real <laughs> but like at but when that head is being like they didn't really like, kill that lady <laughs> 
But they, I almost thought they did with this you guy. You can't fool me, Peter Jackson. <laughs> you big-time Hollywood director. Uh, he, uh, he he's kicking. He's getting his head kicked across the floor, and he's, like, still blinking and, like, making, like, facial expressions and stuff. And, like, I thought that was, like, incredible to make that. There's Because, like, that's a scene where there's, like, 58 things going on. And to keep all to keep track of all of those things and then like also you know like in the middle of all the like i think it was like during the lawnmower stuff possibly even uh to also have like the head sliding across the floor but like then mixing in the fake prosthetic head with the real head i i mean it's it's fantastic it's it's a little bit low-key in terms of like the absurdity of the rest of it but like i love it i like that that's uh the body that the head gets severed from gets a, a lawn gnome stuck in its stump and then you just kind of see it oh, it's wandering around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They go along with like severed lower halves that just walk around and like that looks pretty seamless too. Yeah, Boyd's Off legs are just kicking comment, them away. I, I, yes. I definitely want to dig into more instances of the gore because there are plenty to go around. But Steve brought up something I want to address because he talked about how there was just a seamlessness to that aspect of the head. And there were two other bits that I saw that I don't know that I've ever seen it done in a horror movie like this before. I mean, there might be some examples, but before I launch into it, the the kind of like seeing the strings or seeing the seams that you get used to as a horror fan. So uh, if, if I may quote Wayne's World, remember that scene in Scanners where that dude's head blew up? <laughs> so if you, uh, if you remember that, if you remember that actual scene, there's like a guy and he's sweating and, you know, he's like, ah, and he's on camera and they have an actual actor and then they cut away to people's reactions and they're horrified and then they cut back and then it's, you know, it's clearly like a fucking dummy that they, you know, fill, you know, that like looks reasonably good, but like that they, you know, it's, it's a fake head and they filled it with prosthetics and fake blood and shit yeah and then they and they blow it up so a lot of times horror will do that kind of things they'll they'll cut away to something and when they cut back it's the fake version and they usually try to make it like a real quick cut and they'll try to do something where the explosion happened like you see it the, the face or whatever it is on screen for like a second and then boom and so if you like freeze frame you can be like ah that's a fake head but you know the, it's it's meant to like kind of trick your brain as well as it can but obviously you can you know, especially as you get used to watching these things, you can tell more and more. And that's just the first example that comes to mind for me. But I noticed something that Jackson was doing that was really neat. And I wish more horror directors would do it. And I think it speaks to his quality as a filmmaker, especially even this early in his career. So there's two scenes I noticed. There might be more. But there's one where a guy is on the ground. This is when the big party scene and like zombies are going everywhere and they're fighting people and people are turning into zombies and ripping each other apart. So the guy gets on the ground and I think Steve mentioned this one where a, a guy's face just gets pulled off. And so what happens is he's like grabbed by the hair and they just rip his face off. And this all sounds graphic, but like I said, it's all pretty silly and underneath they have kind it's of, it's also like, pretty graphic. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a, they have like, you know, like a, a skull like face, but it's covered in like musculature and blood and stuff. So it looks like reasonably real for what it needs to be, but obviously it, it's, you know, it's, it's fake. And so, but they have the skin like being, being pulled off. So they have shots where it's a guy that's really that actor flailing around on the ground. And then they have the later shot where he's, uh, you know, the, the 
fake face has been ripped off. But what was interesting was Jackson does not cut away and show people's horrified reactions. He doesn't do the scanners thing. What he does is he has the actor flailing his arms back and forth in like fear and in pain. And he has the arm crossing the uh, camera lens and he does a really good match cut. And so the arm is actually covering up the lens when the cut happens. And so, but it all plays seamlessly. So when you're watching it, you go from real actor, real actor, real actor, shit, that's his face. And, yeah. you know, but even though that he makes the cut and it goes to, you know, the, the fake body double, you don't have that usual horror movie thing of where you get a split second where you're able to react and be, ah, that's fake because right. it's, it's also smooth. He does that again with before the lady gets shoved on the light bulb, she gets like jack-o'-lanterned where her face lights up and everything. And it's, it's one of my favorites, but before yeah. that somebody punches a zombie like punches through the back of her head and it comes out her mouth yeah ryan knows all these characters (laughs) wow (laughs) um so someone punches through the back of her head and it comes out of her mouth and that he did the exact same thing because the lady was like cowering in terror from something in front of her and she had her hands up covering her mouth and like her eyes were like scared and so she doesn't see it and the audience doesn't see it coming, but the, you know, the zombie is coming from behind her. And so Jackson does like a match cut where it's the actress, the actress, the actress, and then the fist comes through the mouth. And so when it's that shot, there's a fake head, but it's covered by the actress's real hands. Like it was in the previous shot. So you, you're still seeing human hands and you don't notice the cut until suddenly a fist is coming through this woman's mouth. <laughs> it was just like rewatching this and looking at that. It was just super impressive and really clever. And it's something that I don't think a lot of horror movies do or do enough of. Yeah. And that's like, that's the genius of Peter Jackson too, where it's like you watch this movie and the analogy you used before, I think was perfect where it's like in college, your friends would make like a three to five minute version of this movie. But to make one that's engaging for an hour and a half is already difficult to make one where you have this level of creativity and gore is further difficult, but then to make one where you're using practical effects and you're, you're doing those match cuts where you aren't cutting away. And it's, it's adding to that, like quote unquote realism where and not the realism where you think it's actually happening, but where you're not, ever removed from right. the movie where you you're never taken out like oh that's clearly fake it's like the last 45 minutes it's just like this this non-stop pace this non-stop zombie attack and to have those types of cuts you never get taken out of it and so that's like it, it we can we can on the whole uh, just say like oh yeah it's just a silly gory horror movie but it's it's like so much more because the level of difficulty is so high on this movie and and that's what's so special about it. What do you guys think? Uh, th- th- this is all this talk has made me think. What would be the worst of all the deaths in this? What would be the worst one to get? Uh, I don't know if it's the worst, but one that I haven't mentioned yet. It's it's up it's up there, but one that hasn't been mentioned yet that was one of my favorites is a guy gets like he he's like stuck halfway through a window or something, and he's like trying to come back through. 
and people are pulling him and zombies are on the other side and they're pulling him or eating away at him or whatever. And when he gets pulled through from his like <laughs> hips downward, he's just a bloody skeleton legs. Yeah, he's, like, he's, right. still, he's still alive, but all that are there are like he has feet with his shoes yeah. still on. But yeah, then his legs are just skeleton legs. And I think it's like hips or skeleton but like every then he's like top half is, is normal, so that that seemed pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, a bad way to go. And, yeah, and he and wasn't dead, was, yeah. so you know he, he bled out or something. Yeah, where you don't die immediately, like punch my punch through my head, or like really just rip my head off. Like give me that death. I don't want like my skin, my face skin ripped off where I'm just screaming. <laughs> with, it's like the muscles underneath my skin. Like fuck that. Give me a quick death in this world. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, it's not really a death. It's just so much as, ah, it's when they slowly cut through the one zombie's hand with, like, little nose-trimming scissors, and it's just painfully oh, slow. Yeah. And you're like, why are they using tiny oh, ooh, scissors? Yeah, is that in the bath? <laughs> yeah, is that in the bathroom? Paquita does that? Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. I Oh, God. I think uh, the one that, when, when everything starts to go to shit, uh, you were mentioning Uncle Les has his big party at the house, which is where Obviously, all the good stuff happens at the end. But when all the zombies break out of the basement and, like, one of the first dudes to get killed, like, they oh, they yeah. dive into his chest and just, like, they instantly rip out remove. Rip <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just, like, he's just screaming the whole time. And it's like, oh, no. I feel like that would be bad. I don't, I don't think this that would be This movie is a good, good analogy for coronavirus. We're having parties as, like, the super spreader event. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> There's uh, another one. Uh, we haven't talked much. There's a mutant baby in this. We can dive <laughs> in a little bit into that. But there's a uh, – I was a little let down on the rewatch because there's – they kind of – they toy with the mutant baby. The, uh, a blender gets turned on, and the mutant baby is, like, holding on to a light fixture above it, and you the, the main lady is trying to kill it because, you know, the baby is, like, it's full-on monster. Just you like really want that baby to die. And you think – yeah, and so you think like, oh, it's it's going to fall in the blender or she's going to put it in there, and it does fall, but then he kind of bounces out the window and then the other things happen in the plot with him. But And I, they do have a later great blender sequence where that guy with the half head oh, yeah. gets, his head ends up getting like kicked into the blender. And that's another great practical effect scene because they, they shot it where like they had like clearly like a fake blender. They'd hollowed something out and they had this guy's head and they have fake blood like burning up with a blender sound effect and then they have the guy's head slowly go down into this fake blender to make it look like he's being like chopped up it was a really solid effect but i yeah. i will say it it did it was disappointing that they set up this oh that mutant baby's going in the blender and then it doesn't happen and i was like oh and then the mutant <laughs> baby survives and it's like come on come on horror movie why are you having taste but we wouldn't have gotten the baby going through that woman's head. <laughs> yeah, we'll just rearrange the scenes then. <laughs> I, I like the scenes with the mutant baby where it's obvious that it's somebody in a suit. <laughs> oh, those are creepy. Those are, those are super like, creepy. He'd like yeah. run away. When he's like, yeah, when he's like, because like Fab, uh, Fabs and I have, have children. I don't yeah. know if, if Ryan, you do, but um, oh, no, never. Fabs and I, like our little toddlers 
uh, that's how they run, man. That's yeah. real scary shit. Like, Dude, we should when dress they up our be- kids as the baby. <laughs> the mutant baby. Yeah. You should dress them right. up as no. Bobo and Little Devil. Oh, we got yeah. Bobo yeah. and Little Devil. Woo! <laughs> that's a, a little nothing but trouble callback for all of you yeah, uh, diehards. Yeah, we're oil, baby. <laughs> now, now, where did the mutant yeah, baby Yeah, no, uh, I, I noted that the, there's a couple points where the mutant baby is running. A lot of times it's just a puppet. But yeah, there's a couple points when it's running and it reminded me of in the Child's Play movies when they would have Chucky, you know, usually Chucky was like an animatronic, like a really good animatronic, but sometimes they would need Chucky to run out of the room real quick. And they always had like a little person dressed up in Chucky. And those were always like much more unsettling because he was moving yes. like a person then. Yeah, he was like right. you know, running this like, <laughs> no, no, he's not supposed to be real. Well, you, you did. So you did ask Ryan where mutant baby comes from. This does bring up an ethical question here is these things can procreate because there's a scene where the two zombies are banging in, horned a, up. in the dining room. The zombie they priest, are horned up and the, oh, it is the zombie priest. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. With, the, with the nurse. Uh, with the nurse. Yeah. So they're getting horned up and like Lionel's like trying to all feed them. Uh, well, tranquilizer and then like trying to keep them away from each other. So he's just got all this shit going on that he doesn't need to worry about but does for some reason but these things do procreate and so they they have this desire to uh to you know further their species at this point or whatever you want to call them so is it would it be uh, is it are we should we be with lionel is it unethical to kill them are we are we now committing some sort of like mass genocide here that that we should care about like is this movie problematic who's the real rat monkey i don't know here (laughs) (laughs) just Uh, something to think about i I don't have an answer for you on that steve this was uh we didn't prepare for this i really hope that i don't like meet peter jackson one day and accidentally make that the only thing i ask him (laughs) or that he reveals that you're right like yeah (laughs) it's right like the matteo like allegory (laughs) you're dead alive to get it dead alive happened to me <laughs> well, also they procreate uh, in like an hour. Well, where does the baby come from? I don't remember that. Uh, uh, is the it priest knocks up the yeah. the nurse. Knocks up the nurse. Okay, and then somehow ends she's up like lying radio. on the and ground, he, but it doesn't show. And he blood. like bursts through her stomach or something. No, it's on a radio. It just comes out of a radio. Well, yeah. Oh, that's well, right. No, that's you see her stomach like yeah, start okay, to swell, so. but you never see the baby exit. It's born fully clothed and somehow gets on a radio. Okay. Again, yeah, I, I, point I, not see, I, I think I, mean, I remember them having sex, but I think I, I don't think I caught. Oh, I remember the baby has a name. I don't think I, I don't think I. Caught, it does. It yeah. has a name. It's baby uh, Selwyn. I, I don't think I caught her. Uh, I don't baby think I Selwyn? caught her being pregnant. Yep. But yeah, he he burst through the radio. Yeah, she gets that, pregnant. I think super was the quick. first time I noticed him. Yeah. That's right. But the baby, uh, the baby does survive in the end, everyone. Yep. I'll also say, uh, as, as a horror junkie, you know, I've watched a ton of stuff, and we've talked a good bit about the gore. And some of you horror fans out there might think this is sacrilegious, but I, I think that this movie does what trauma tries to do usually. And you know, trauma will do a lot of gross out stuff, but I think a lot of times it comes off. It just doesn't work as well or just feels much more low budget or feels more like mean spirited than fun. I, you know, I've, I've watched a number of trauma movies. I'm not a huge fan, but 
So if you are a Troma fan, you you might enjoy Dead Alive, but I I, I do think that this succeeds in some ways that uh, Troma does not. Yeah, this movie's. I I think it's just always having fun, and yeah. I you know that's kind of like what you were saying. Fabs is like, at no point does this movie try to be anything other than just like a really crazy, exciting, fun horror movie. It's just like, it's just a chance for like masters of the craft to just do whatever the hell they want. And, and yeah, and that's and I know like Lionel is like a super toned down like Kramer where he's always like jittery and like comical, but like that's to give you that like omnipresent like this none of this is to be taken seriously. Like from from the in your face like camera shots where they're kind of like weird and unsettling, but like everybody's kind of like mugging the camera and like kind of hamming it up in their performances. Like the only one who isn't is like Paquita. Um, but like everyone else is like a really ridiculous, like super ridiculous character. Um, so yeah, at no point are you like, Oh my God, like, I really hope Lionel and his mom can like sort their relationship out. So like him and Bikita can end up together. So that, uh, yeah, that leads us into uh, a little bit of the remaining plot that does exist. So essentially all hell breaks loose in the house. The uncle is trying to swindle him out of his inheritance and everything, brings all these people over. People end up getting bitten by zombies. Uncle has some kind of badass moments before he turns. Where yeah, he's just yeah. like unleashed and slaughtering people. And he has just like two meat cleavers. And like there's just this great like, <laughs> rapid fire scene where I think it's like sped up motion even. And like blood is flying yeah. on his face. So, uh, you know, he's definitely a villain, but they, they have some fun with him for a little bit where it's like, okay, he's a villain, but he's against these worse people right now. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah. So yeah, it's basically just a lot of carnage, all the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, at one point, Paquita uses, is it, I don't know, is it the uncle? Somebody remind me if it's the uncle or another character basically uses the spine and head as a type what I refer to as a spine bat yeah, to uncle. hit someone else. Okay. So as Steve brought up, the uncle's like walking around like a spider legs um, when he has spine and head are like propped up in the air. So she at some point rips that off and is like hitting another zombie with it. So that's another just fun, you know, spine bat. You get that out of this movie. So essentially you have Paquita is trying to survive and she's mostly cut off from Lionel throughout a lot of the movie. And she's there with a couple other female party goers and they're trying to... Uh, avoid the uncle at times as well and meanwhile lionel is chopping stuff up coming across different monsters battling them getting kind of tied up in things and then we get one of i'd say the best scenes we can talk very briefly on this uh but lionel bursts through the door and he has a lawnmower like a like a push lawnmower like I don't know if it's strapped to his chest, but it's essentially like up to his chest as though it were strapped. I think he's just holding it. It's slightly uh, modified. He says, okay. And so he says, uh, like, party's over, I think. So he has, yep. a, he has a very Bruce Campbell kind of line, which I wouldn't be surprised if Lionel was partly inspired by Ash. Because this came out, you know, several years after uh, the first two Evil Deads had already been out there. And then you have a scene where he is just plowing into like 30 <laughs> zombies whose hands are reaching out toward him and their faces. And he just plows into them with this thing and blood is flying. 
and he like kind of gets through a grouping of them and gets to the stairwell. And again, it had been a while since I saw this movie. So I was thinking, oh man, that's not it. Is it like, it, it's not just, I'm making it better in my mind of where he just does it real quick and that's it. And the movie's like, no, that's not it, Linton. And he turns around <laughs> and starts doing it again. And it's like a solid <laughs> like minute and a half of this guy just chopping people up with a lot with lawnmower blades. And there's I wish it would have everywhere. faded and it was a, like a lawnmower commercial, like an hour and 20 minute lawnmower commercial. <laughs> like like John Deere. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It And amazingly, at no point do I feel like I, it, like it's overkill. I'm, I, as he's going, if anything, it's group. underkill. I, I want yeah. more. <laughs> Extremely underkill. He is head yeah, to toe it, covered in blood. It goes on and on, and really does have like night, uh, evil dead vibes. Yeah. So oh, and blood. he's like, and he's like slipping in the blood on like the floor, and there are bodies everywhere, and I mean the whole place is just coated in blood and body parts, and you're just like, I feel very satisfied. <laughs> if you it have actually... a blood, if you have a bloodlust, this well, will this satisfy is... it. It was something that would, definitely didn't strike me when I was watching this at 16 or whatever it was, but it definitely struck me this time because the movie, it, it didn't do well. We didn't address that, but it, it made virtually no money. I think it made like $300,000 globally and it cost $3 million. So it, it was a, unfortunately a failure. Um, you know, a lot of times horror movies don't even have to make all that much to be successful, but this one sadly wasn't a success, you know, initially. But you can tell it's low budget, even though a lot of it looks great. The production value is great. They're putting so much heart and soul into everything. But they, most of this movie is taking place in some old looking house, like a Victorian looking, it's New Zealand, so it wouldn't be Victorian, but you know, something comparable. It's this old house, it's his mom's house. A lot of the early movie takes place there. When everything unleashes, it takes place there. But yeah, by the end of it, you're in this stairwell the scene we just described and blood is just everywhere. And it did make me think now as an adult and someone who's like worked on productions and thought about this kind of stuff is like, fuck, like, did they just destroy this house? Is this just like somebody's <laughs> house that they rented? And then they like, because I can't, like they didn't build this. So they they're rent. They're using this somehow they're using this house. And I, I cannot imagine, I know it's fake blood, but that stuff still stains. That could ruin all kinds of stuff. That was probably think, like, a property that was about to be torn down that they maybe. bought like dirt cheap. And like, let's just destroy this thing. Yeah. Or they, uh, you know, a lot of the time, you know, cheap or, uh, you know, budget movie productions will ask nicely, you know, like they'll go and be like, hey, can we use your place, you know, for a location? So it could have just been like somebody was like, yeah, I'm gone for the week. Go ahead and film your little movie. That's cool. And they just, and they didn't just come play. back and yeah just like i just don't know peter that jackson could just clean. took off for the that's, state that's the thing I, I don't know after that scene if you if there's any amount of like, cleaning that would fix it is this like a roman polanski thing where he's not allowed back in new zealand <laughs> yeah exactly because of what he did <laughs> well for a much lesser crime yeah it's just like that steve <laughs> Pretty, pretty close. Oh uh, yeah, so, I didn't really put the put put that together. The plan, what uh, Polanski has done. So moving on, uh, the remaining uh, aspects of the plot uh, that are there is essentially you you have left the big bad, which is mom. So mom is she was uh, came back from the dead. 
you know, she's been wandering around and, and she's sort of just morphed into this super zombie. There's never really a reason given for why that happens, but she goes from being just a zombie of an old yeah, lady to getting... A... All right. <laughs> what, what is it, Ryan? Uh, he goes to poison them and finally kill them, but it's some kind of uh, animal stimulant, so it supercharges all of them and gives the regular But ones, the other ones don't the get they have, like, black eyes. <laughs> no, they don't get it. I don't know why she gets enormous. Yeah, so I think my original point stands. So she, okay. so, <laughs> alien so, queen. So she, yes, yeah, so, I mean that's basically what it is. They well, make she's her the into- only one who gets directly bitten by the monkey. I think that's why it became like she became the super one. Sure. I mean, I don't have a problem with it in terms of like we want some kind of big monster at the end, but it, it just felt like suddenly she became this like she's shown in shadow and she's this big creature now, and then she shows up and stuff's like falling off of her. But she's grown like three times the size of a normal person and is like this big kind of puppet thing. So he's fighting her. The girlfriend is in danger. They're on the roof. She's trying to kill the girlfriend. And eventually Lionel figures out he's been having memories of his... He was told for years that his father drowned trying to save him in the ocean. And... He now remembers that his mother, with some other evidence he found, he remembers that his mother actually drowned his father and his father's mistress. And that those are the memories that he's been suppressing. And so she's been kind of like guilt tripping him his whole life. And she's actually a killer. It's essentially an excuse for us, the audience, to be like, yeah, kill her. (laughs) And that's really why it's there. And so he does. (laughs) <laughs> he uh, he ends up being, like, swallowed by her stomach. It opens up, and then he, like, carves himself back out of it. And that's when we get just, I believe it was 300 liters of blood <laughs> pull out of her exposed monster stomach, and she's killed, and then he and the girl walk off, uh, you know, into the sunset. So that's, that's the crux of the plot. Do we have any other... Uh, key scenes we want to latch on to or gore bits uh i don't know what time period does it take place in i assumed present day but maybe i think it's 1957 yeah it's like a doo-wop because on on the tombstone on like the mom's tombstone it it mentions her death date death year as 1957 okay and everybody's like dressed up kind of like a 50s like you know the uncle's got like this kind of like swirly kind of look that's true and everybody's kind of wearing like those sort of like lar- larger like uh, skirts and stuff. So I, I think it's about I think it's like 1957. Yeah, I didn't catch any dates. I I just I guess in my head I thought it was almost like a 1989 Batman type thing where that took place <laughs> in the 80s, but everyone's dressed like it's the 40s is just kind of a vibe we're yeah. going for. And that's so just I, New I think that's what I kind of assumed. They're 50 yeah. years behind us. Just assume that New Zealand's 30 years behind whatever. They're like they're Cuba. just now yeah. yeah, they're just now entering the grunge phase. They're gonna be shocked when they see the Lord of the Rings movies. They'll be really proud. <laughs> well, that is an excellent fa- segue, Fabs. I do want to briefly talk about uh this in relation to Jackson's career. So what do we got on that? Because this is I, I said he did bad taste, he did Meet the Feebles, which is a you know a, a naughty puppet movie. Bad Taste is similar to this, where it's like killer aliens. And he did this one, and his next movies were Heavenly Creatures, and then after that he did The Frighteners. And so those were his movies prior to hitting Lord of the Rings. 
So what do we think how this plays in regards to kind of all of his movies, in particular his latter day career? Well, like what's funny is that that is like the craziest jump. It's like going from being a like paralyzed quarterback to then becoming Tom Brady, like within a season <laughs> where it's like, oh, I'm making like horror movies. And now like the largest trilogy of all time. And I, I think for like hardcore horror fans, um, they like really appreciate that they have this like special connection to Peter Jackson outside of the Lord of the Rings, but just like for an average moviegoer, like he can never escape like Lord of the Rings. Like he's synonymous. Like that was such a massive, like part of pop culture. And I mean, like you could argue for sure, like without Lord of the Rings, you don't get game of Thrones. And so like, no, like it, 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 it's such a giant thing for pop culture for like the last 15 years. Um, so like I I think you he will obviously always be mem- uh, memorialized for like the Lord of the Rings but I think there is this cool connection for like horror geeks that like we had him first like he made this thing before Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I so I'm not the biggest fan of the Lord of the Rings series which I know is sacrilegious and I should probably revisit those i don't even know if i've ever even seen return of the king like i i i that, that's not my like domain if you I, want, see, I, am, I am this close i am this close to doing the donald sutherland end of invasion of the body snatcher <laughs> scream at you right now, <laughs> <laughs> well let's do it for franchise strikes back so i have to watch it oh uh, yeah so there, not that like I'm not I'm not like obviously bothered by the fact that he did Lord of the Rings. Uh, then he did three Hobbit movies, but it's kind of veering into James Cameron territory for me because I think um, Peter Jackson's next project is like a Tintin sequel. And uh, well, they've so, been talking about that forever. I don't know if that's actually. I know, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I know he. I, and then he did the uh, the World War One like remastered yeah. documentary, which was like oh amazing. Um, but. I think it's like, like I said, veering into James Cameron territory because he's, he got fixated on one world. And so he built the Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I understand it's fantastic. It's like perfect filmmaking. I really probably should see it again, but then you have three Hobbit movies, which I think is a lot more of a polarizing thing for fans based on whether or not they felt you needed three movies to tell that story. Yeah, so Art, I think yeah. what bothers me, what bothers me a bit, is it's it's that effect of, well, these these filmmakers only get obviously so many years of making movies, and they're not. It's not like they're making a movie every year. This isn't like Woody Allen just shitting a movie out every twelve months. But I don't know. It's like I want to see. I would love to see Peter Jackson go back to doing maybe a movie that was like his roots, like a horror movie or just like anything, just like anything else. Like I love King well, Kong. I think King Kong is fantastic. He, he, I really I, enjoy it. In his, in his defense, he has done at least if, if we're putting aside the Lord of the Rings movies and, and we have his early career of like more horror centric stuff. King Kong, I would say fits very much in with the Lord of the Rings of this giant spectacle thing and you know, fantasy, you know, epic kind of thing, but he did do the lovely bones. Yeah. And and I, I actually kind of hated that movie, uh, personally. I, I just thought it was just poorly done. Uh, I think the story could have been fine, but I was I, 
I thought it was like weirdly directed and uber sentimental and stuff. But so he he has at least made the attempt, and then he did that the documentary. He's done some like shorter documentaries, and he did yeah. the, the World War One one, and I think he's doing one on the Beatles now. So he is he is trying to break things up. I think I I, t- I totally yeah I'm I'm not. Yeah, it's not totally James Cameron style where it's like yeah. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to making 12 Avatar movies. But <laughs> but I mean, and I'm not saying it has to be like a low budget uh horror movie or anything either. It's like I I would just love to see more just more. Um yeah. j- j- just something uh from him because I think he's I think he's a, a fantastic and I would love to see him try a different genre, a different style of filmmaking potentially. Um, anything really, uh, it could be a, I don't care if it's a, if it's a drama, like it doesn't have to be a gross out horror or anything like that. It's just, I, I just, you know, I, I would just love to see more from a guy that, that I love for, cause I love the Frighteners and I love King Kong. Like I said, like I was actually thinking today after rewatching this movie about that scene in King Kong when they're on Skull Island and Andy Serkis's character gets like swallowed up by like that like slug thing, and it just like comes over his head and like eats him alive. That is also one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, so like, yeah, this dude knows how to scare me. So <laughs> or just like make a visceral just like reaction out of me. So I don't know. I'd love to see just like more of that. It's just like I'm very. I'm. I guess I'm just very uh, selfish. Well, you mentioned uh, James Cameron, which I mean, I, I see the angle you're you're ma- making there with you know every Avatar movie that will be subjected to till the end of time. But uh, the the one that popped out to me, I mean, this one's fairly obvious, but there's a little bit more to it that I hadn't initially thought. Is that he reminds me a lot of Sam Raimi. And the obvious comparison there is because, oh, well, Dead Alive is a lot like Evil Dead, especially Evil Dead 2, when they would go all in on the horror comedy and, and Army of Darkness. But there's a lot of similarities with, like, camera work of having just kind of odd Dutch angles, uh, you know, extreme close-ups on things. So he's yeah. he's used – and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he – I've never read it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was inspired by Raimi because – Original Evil Dead, uh, Ryan, you can back me up on this. Evil Dead's like 81, 82, 81, 82. And then uh, Evil Dead 2 is like 87. And then Army, I think, is like 93. So Army wouldn't have come out when this movie had come out. But the other two would have already been out. And then the main character being kind of similar and kind of looking like Bruce Campbell, a dark-haired, thin, handsome guy that's kind of in a scenario that he can't handle. And then Ash has his chainsaw and this guy has a lawnmower. So I think there's definite similarities there that I would think Jackson's pulling from, but yeah, the, the way he shoots things uh, is another similarity, but one that I hadn't thought of is their latter career trajectories are pretty similar too, because you have Sam Raimi as this kind of, you know, blood and guts filmmaker, both in what he's putting on screen and in sort of just, I'm going to throw everything I've got into these movies in the early Evil Dead movies and Darkman and some of his you know earlier projects. And Jackson was pretty much the same way. And then they hit a point in their career and then they become, quote unquote, big budget Hollywood fantasy directors. And that's not inherently bad, but Jackson, yeah, with... Uh, Lord of the Rings and King Kong and the Hobbit. Now he is 
Yeah. He's that guy. And Sam Raimi crossed over that threshold with the Spider-Man movies. And then he did like Oz the Great and Powerful. And I think he's probably a couple others. Uh, Fabs, are there any other Sam Raimi big movies that I'm missing? He went back to horror when he did Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. You mentioned Spider-Man. Um, I have to pull it up. He's it. He's doing so. He's finally like directing something fairly big again. I think because uh, he got into like producing stuff for a bit. Yeah, and yeah. so I think he's kind um, of going back to. So yeah, he he did have a period where he's doing some dramas and stuff for Love of the Game and The Gift and A Simple Plan, but yeah, Oz the Great and Powerful, and then the most recent one. Uh, it isn't out yet, obviously, but Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. He took over for that project, so that's going to be yes. another. And I, I look forward to it. I'd, I'd love to see him play with that and and make it something interesting. But yeah, so I just noticed that their trajectories were kind of similar in that they they crossed a, crossed a threshold and then they became kind of a different type of director. Yeah. Anytime they go back, anytime they want to go back to doing something else, I'll, I'll be into it. I, I think it's because it, I would love to see them have, and I guess you just don't see this much anymore as directors that kind of have like a Spielberg sort of trajectory yeah. where it's like, you can direct, like you have a style and, and an, an innate ability to make a good movie, but you're not bound by like any genre. And I mean that for like, not only their, their roots of horror, talking about like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson now, you know, their roots of horror or, you know, what they've kind of been boxed into now as well. It's like, I just want to see these guys making good movies. I don't care what they are. I don't know if I want it to be six fantasy movies. I don't know if I want it to be three Spider-Man movies. I don't want it to be five Avatar movies. You know, it's like, just give me, you know, in this day and age of the way that Hollywood kind of operates, it's a, it's a lot tougher to do this now because I don't know if, these projects are like coming across their desk, but that's my not, I'm not against their careers at all. Cause I love a lot of the stuff that they've done. It's just, I, you know, I, I don't even know if it's possible to like do that anymore. Unless Netflix was just like, here's $400 million, Peter Jackson, make whatever you want, which yeah. like probably will happen. You yep. want to make yep. the Cimmerillion? <laughs> Here you go. Ryan, are you uh Lord of the Rings guy, am I the only one? Uh, am I the only one that it feels that way? I'm not really that big of a fan. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody else oh, there we go. spot the Peter Jackson cameo in uh, Dead Life? Yes. yes. He's the caretaker's uh, assistant yep. who like screws it up. Which also like they're like when I forgot that scene. Yeah, when they're embalming the mother. <laughs> I was, I like, was what so the confused having watched it the first time. I was like, wait, did I miss the part where like she was sent to an evil like doctor who was like trying to like, reanimate her? I was so confused. But then when I realized what was happening, I'm like, oh my God, this is like so fun. It was just. And he like pops her eyeballs back in. <laughs> well, at one point, the uh, uh, Lionel goes to, I don't know if it's a coroner or an undertaker or something. He goes. Okay, is it a veterinarian? Okay, so oh, he goes. Yeah. yeah, so he goes there to get like tranquilizers to try to keep her under control, and later the other zombies under control. And that guy's presented as kind of crazed and like a mad scientist, and he's bald and has glasses, and he's wearing this lab coat. And at one point, he 
grabs something. He's like the, the solution, bringing it over to Lionel, and his coat gets caught on something. And Lionel can't see it, but it's directed toward the camera so the audience can. And he, he's apparently wearing like an SS uniform underneath because you can see part of a swastika. And the movie yeah. never does anything else with it. <laughs> it's just put in there of like, oh, yeah, well, I he... don't know. This, this guy's evil, by the way. <laughs> Well, he's got the German. He's got the German accent, and yeah. he mentions like something about like escaping Latvia or something like during the war. But like, it's definitely like you're. It's definitely alluded to him being like a crazed Nazi scientist <laughs> because when he walks into the veterinary clinic, he's like experimenting on like a dead animal <laughs> and like drawing, like poking it or something. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, it's like pretty weird that they would have a vet doing that, but. I like um, to I like to think that it was like that's what the extra wore to set, and they're like you need to just like wear this lab coat like you can't be like wear, like that's not okay for the background. <laughs> we got to work this in. Oh my god! Uh, you're a scientist. You escape the war. <laughs> a lot of revelations are coming out about Dead Alive here tonight. We've uh, we've uncovered that that Peter Jackson lived through these events and has various <laughs> theories about the world and. Uh, undead births and all kinds of things. This is a documentary <laughs> filmed in real time. Yeah. All right, so uh, we should pitch this on social as like, if you're pro life and love the Lord of the Rings world, you're gonna love this episode. <laughs> sure, Fabs, I'll do that. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay, so uh, final stray uh, observations, and would you recommend, Ryan? What do you got? Uh, yes, it's um, it's a must-watch for any horror fan. Uh, even if you're not really that into gore, you will be. You will be. <laughs> it will bludgeon you into it. That uh, that is apt. All right, Fabs. Um, if you're into custard. <laughs> And body parts <laughs> falling off and being ripped off for about an hour straight. You definitely need to watch this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like essential viewing, even though I, I just watched it for the first time. Like, this is hilarious, and it's just, like, really fun. This is this is such a fun horror movie, and um, it's – yeah, it just put it on. Like, it's, it's the season. By the time you're listening to this episode, like, it's the season – uh, for horror movies, and um, it's it's also extremely hard to find. Um, Steve found it on some site. It wasn't our usual Bulgarian <laughs> site where we had to uh, get a Russian mail order bride. Um, but uh, <laughs> if you're able to get a copy of this movie, watch it tonight. Yeah, I, uh, before I kick it off to Steve, I'll, I'll comment on that. Uh, I own a copy of this. I've, I've had it for years on DVD. But that is, I don't know if it's like streaming, if it's streaming anywhere reputable. No, it's just all on on the dark. dark Nothing reputable. I can tell you that that these boys are using. But uh, yeah, I I have the DVD, but like, I think it goes for pretty high on the secondary market. And then there's a Blu-ray, which I would like to get it on Blu-ray, but it's long out of print. And so that goes for kind of crazy prices on the secondary market. But good news is I did read when I was looking things up that Peter Jackson, I guess, owns the rights to his first four movies. So Bad Taste, This, Meet the Feebles, and Heavenly Creatures. And he said after his work on They Will Not Grow Old, 
they were doing a lot of cleanup on that old footage to make it look good. And he said that he had in the past wanted to re-release his earlier movies and, and do like kind of clean up with it, but he just didn't have the time slash like kind of the tools in place. But now that he's done it on, we will not grow old or they will not grow old or they shall not grow old. I don't know something about old world war one soldiers. Uh, now that he's done it on that, he said he like took, took a few passes on some of his older films to see how they looked. And he said it cleaned it up. The dead alive was looking great. So he was talking about potentially releasing his old movies in like a 4K box set or something. That was 2018, and now okay. we've hit the pandemic. So it's entirely possible that that's what he's been cooking up, having nothing else to do. Who knows? Dude, but I, I, I want to own this movie. Like I really want to. Like oh yeah. The site I was watching it. It was. It wasn't even the movie. It was a person filming themselves with the movie on a TV in the background. <laughs> so I had to watch them dance and they kept blocking like, the screen. And it's crazy like, because Fab's paid for that legally. That's how he watched this film. $30 to watch that. And like most of the time it was like two people arguing in like the living room. <laughs> in like another language. It was crazy. Is that true? He was in check. <laughs> no, no, no. It was I was really, I was really like, hoping. Great, <laughs> it was surprisingly great quality for, and like there were no pop ups. Like I was just, yeah. like I was waiting it was for. A I was good... my original plan was like, like I found it on YouTube in another language, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch this version and then like read the plot summary, and like that will be my viewing of this film. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I was just like, oh, wait, I found it. And it was like a great DVD rip. Like, I, I have no clue how I found it. But, yeah, right. I mean, that's – yeah, no, it is uh, it is extremely difficult to find. the On Amazon and eBay, like, you'd be paying, like, 50 bucks for a DVD. Um, so it is not easy to find. But if you do manage to find, like, a cheap copy – or, hell, I'll just send you my, my illegal stream. Um because I want you to watch this, so hit me up, somebody who wants. I to watch own this movie. a legal copy of this film, everyone. <laughs> uh, please don't. I hope. Mis- I hope Mr. Jackson's not litigious. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I would I, like uh, Ryan said. It's absolutely requ- required viewing for any horror fan, and I think you also said that, Linton. And uh, so I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that. That if you like horror. This is a movie that like. It sucks. Um, you have to absolutely see it. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's. I would say underrated, and I, I don't know if it gets like the same notice for what it probably influenced later on that other movies do, because I'm I would imagine that this is like for a lot of horror filmmakers like because i saw something that said like eli roth said this was like the only horror movie that ever satisfied his bloodlust and i guarantee you <laughs> a crazy person so for sure yeah <laughs> so it's you know i'm sure that people who make horror now put this in their top you know three to five in terms of what it of what it did for them from an inf- influence perspective so uh yeah absolutely watch this freaking movie yeah i uh i'm with all of them uh this is a great and classic gore fest splatter film like i said at the top it's very silly very over the top 
it's it's genuinely funny at times in i mean if if you're squeamish if you're not a horror fan you probably won't find some of the stuff funny or you might not get into this at all but even if you are someone who occasionally watches horror films maybe certain things turn your stomach or you know they don't or whatever uh i i think you know this is it's able to be handled because of how crazy and silly it is like at no point did i think there was a moment where i had to like look away or I was like, Ooh, or whatever. And, and in very serious horror movies where they are absolutely trying to make you believe what you're seeing on screen is real and is happening to real people. And there are real repercussions and people are dying. Like I watch those things and those can be great as well, but you know, there can be scenes in those movies where I will as much a horror fan as I am, I'll draw back. I'll be uncomfortable. I don't do that with this movie. I'm just more like, wow, that's a really cool effect. And then, you know, then there's just like goofy, crazy stuff. I mean, there's, there's a guy like our main character at one point is Steve mentioned he's slipping on blood. He's not just slipping on blood. He's like running in place in blood in almost like like three stooges like gag that they're doing. So that's, that's a good example of what's going on in this movie. And it's all exceedingly over the top. But if you're a horror fan, you're probably going to embrace it no matter what. So I would absolutely recommend, uh, if you can find it, uh, you know, hit up through your, your various uh, underbelly channels, as these gentlemen have uh, talked about. Find it through some Eastern European, you know, dark website. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, absolute recommendation for Dead Alive. I would argue it's probably Peter Jackson's most fun movie. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, are, I would say, are almost certainly better films. He, you know, you could maybe argue Heavenly Creatures and maybe you know, some of his other things or like They Shall Not Grow Old was incredibly solid as a documentary. But in terms of like his most fun and just letting loose, I would say it's probably this one. So I would say Lovely Bones, but... <laughs> just... Hey, re- last thing I had on Lovely Bones is I read, a, I read something on twitter which you know is always a good source of information that originally ryan gosling was supposed to be the dad in lovely bones and he said that he thought the character should be like a bigger guy so he gained 60 pounds (laughs) by eating a bunch of melted ice cream and peter jackson didn't agree and so he just fired him from the movie and so ryan gosling just i've I've heard that i've heard that story too and i from what i understand i think gosling just showed up on set like that and (laughs) and hadn't talked to jackson like this is what i'm thinking or this is what i'm planning to do and so he just shows up 60 pounds overweight and peter jackson's like what the fuck are you doing get off my set (laughs) i'm taking apocalypse now shit man that's crazy i live i live for stories of actors who do like incredible painful things to their bodies for movies that either never get seen or they're not, or they get fired from like the set. Was it, did they go with Mark Ruffalo? Is that who they cast? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. All right. So back to dead alive uh, or brain dead. If you are uh, in another country, try and track this down. Yeah, I absolutely would recommend this. So look for it this October. And tune in next time. We will be back with our final Halloween offering for the Spookening. It will be the semi-sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Shock Treatment. So join us then.